Today on Drawing Near, we begin chapter 11. It is during this chapter we begin to see the events in the second three and a half years of the Great Tribulation. As we will see, the gospel continues to be proclaimed to those who remain on the earth, as well as God's judgment on rebellious sinners. So take your Bible and turn to the Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 11, and join us for the two witnesses. As we study today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, your word, your grace and mercy in our lives. And we ask, Father, that as you open up your word to us, that we might be receptive, that we would hear and understand and apply these truths to our lives, especially with regards to understanding your desire to see people saved and warn people about impending judgment. Father, your power is unbelievable. It's awesome. And we're so thankful that we get to witness it as those who are redeemed through faith in Jesus Christ. Now guide and bless us in our study. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As the revelation continues in chapter 1, John once again is a participant, not simply a witness. We're told in verse 1 of chapter 11, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. It is believed that the reed that John was given was one of the reeds that existed in his day. It would have been 15 to 20 feet in length. It would have been sturdy enough to be used for a walking stick or other implements. Because of its consistent length and the straightness of this rod, it would have been ideal to be used for measuring. And then we're told, And the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles, and they will tread the holy city for forty-two months. Upon receiving this reed, John is given a command. He is to rise, and he is to measure the temple of God, including the altar and those who worship there. Now it appears that John is not measuring anything for its actual physical dimensions, because we're not told what the measurements are. But rather it appears that what he's doing is, he's identifying the people, the Jewish people, who are going to be protected by God, set aside, during the judgment that comes during the next three-and-a-half-year period of the Great Tribulation. Because in the judgments that follow, the focus becomes on the judgment of the Gentiles and God's work to save the Jewish people. And so as John takes this read, he is measuring out or laying out those individuals, the Jewish people, who are going to be protected during the following judgments. And we're told in verse 2, that he is to leave out the outside of the temple, which is for the Gentiles, which is an indication that the Gentiles are going to be receiving God's judgment during this period of time. We are also told at the end of verse 2 that the Gentiles will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. The holy city, Jerusalem, will be under attack for three and a half years. In chapter 11, verse 3, God's two witnesses are introduced. We're told in verse 3, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. During the most devastating part of the Great Tribulation, the last three and a half years, when the Antichrist will be in full swing using all of his powers to deceive and to destroy, 
God will have two mighty witnesses on the earth. They will be testifying to the gospel of Jesus Christ and warning people that the judgments that they are experiencing are due to their sin and God's wrath. Verse 3 tells us that they will have power and that they will prophesy 1,260 days, three and a half years. And they will do this clothed in sackcloth. Sackcloth is rough, scratchy. It is not the garment of a rich or wealthy person. It is not a festival garment. Rather, it is exactly the opposite. This is the kind of material that was worn when one was in sorrow and mourning loss or death. God does not find joy in judgment. The fact that he is just and righteous and holy and must punish sin does not mean that he finds joy or pleasure in judgment. God goes to great extremes to bring the message of salvation and hope to lost sinners. He desires that they be saved, and yet when they rebel, it doesn't give him joy to bring judgment upon them. We see sorrow and loss reflected in the clothing of these two great witnesses. There's been much discussion and debate over the identity of these two great witnesses. We're told in verse 4, These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. The two olive trees and the two lampstands are talked about in Zechariah chapter 4. You can read about it there. But who are these individuals? Are they individuals who were formerly on the earth? Some have suggested Enoch and Elijah because their deaths have not been recorded in Scripture, and others believe it is Moses and Elijah. You may recall it was Moses and Elijah who met with the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Also, you may remember from the Old Testament that Elijah caused it to not rain for a period of time while he was prophesying. Also, he called down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice that he had built on the altar of God. Moses had turned water to blood during his prophetic ministry. Moses had called plagues down upon Egypt during his ministry. So there are similarities in the description of these two witnesses with Moses and Elijah and their earthly ministries. Regarding Enoch, all we know is that he walked with God and he was not because God took him. Beginning in verse 5, we see the power of these two great witnesses. Verse 5 says, And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. So many people on the earth are going to reject their testimony, and some are going to want to harm them, and these two witnesses have the ability to defend themselves with fire proceeding from their mouth and devouring their enemies. Verse 6 says, They have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Along with the 144,000 witnesses, these two great witnesses are a part of sharing the gospel among every nation, people, language, and tribe. God is going to get the message out. Even as people are rebellious and hard-hearted, and in this period of time, these are individuals who have experienced devastating losses on the earth. Over half of the earth's population has been killed, and yet they are still hardened in their hearts. 
And now these two witnesses join the 144,000 witnesses, and they are proclaiming the gospel. It is believed that the primary focus of their gospel presentation will be the people of Israel. The Lord God had made a commitment, a promise, a covenant with Israel that he would never leave them or forsake them, that he would restore Israel. And so he is going to fulfill that promise. Israel has not been abandoned, and God is going to redeem many from the tribes of Israel. And he's going to use the 144,000 witnesses, 12,000 from each and every tribe, and he's going to use these two great witnesses. As these witnesses are rejected and are met with opposition and people seek to cause them harm, they will not only proclaim with their mouth, but they will proclaim with their deeds the power of God. They will judge the earth. They will try to get the attention of people on the earth so that they may be saved. It may be that as we've been studying the book of Revelation, you are becoming more and more aware of how great God's heart is for the salvation of the lost, the vastness of his grace and mercy, how he longs not to condemn, but rather to save and to restore. I know that as I am studying Revelation with you, that's one of the things that really stand out to me. I am amazed at how much God desires to save. God desires to save so much that he goes to all of these extreme measures far above and beyond anything that we might even consider to be normal or acceptable. Even in his redemptive work, God shows the vast gulf between his level of patience and our level of patience, his level of love and our level of love. And I am so grateful to be a child of God, to be a child of the Heavenly Father who loves me so much that he not only would send Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sin, but that he would go to extreme measures to proclaim that good news of salvation to me and to the world. Father in heaven, the richness of your grace is evident throughout all of your scriptures, but I'm not sure that it's any clearer or any more visible than during the book of Revelation, how over and over and over again you seek to redeem stubborn, rebellious sinners. Your grace is unchanging from the beginning of man's fall, but it is so evident in the book of Revelation. And in studying the book of Revelation, we can see how all of your prophecies, how all of your interactions with humanity, all of the preaching, all of the instruction has constantly been a call to repentance and salvation from sin. Your deep desire to redeem us is clearly evident in your word. And I thank you for that revelation. Your truth is so clearly visible that the judgment of the lost is clearly just. I thank you that you have not only sent Jesus into the world, but you have proclaimed the message of salvation in Jesus Christ to all. We are clearly without excuse. Father, help us to worship you, to be thankful, to praise you, to obey you, for you are worthy. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page, Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.